Many of you know the story. When Ron and I were church planting, we got into a lot of debt. And, and I'm not going to give the figure. It was a lot. It was a lot more than we made. And it was so much so that never did we seriously consider bankruptcy, but it was a, that's how much debt we had. It was a lot. And we worked hard to get out of it. It was during that time that I was introduced to Dave Ramsey. Some of you may have heard the name Larry Burkett. He was sort of a, he came before Ramsey, and they worked together with Christians primarily on how to manage money. With all of that said, there were moments when Rhonda and I, we weren't quite living, as Dave Ramsey says, on beans and rice, but we were pretty close to it. We did not enter a restaurant, maybe an occasional fast food restaurant, but we basically were just trying to get by and pay down as much of that debt as we could in a short amount, in as, as little of a time. Now, now we, well, this was part of our motivation, by the way. We looked at what we owed, and then we looked at the interest we were paying. And when you look at those numbers, if you're really serious, you'll, you'll, you'll freak out a little bit. Because you'll actually say, what in the world am I doing? Why am I wasting so much money paying a bank? Now, I noticed a friendly little interchange between Justin and, and Robert yesterday about student loan debt. Some of you may have student loan debt, and you may wonder about that. You know, and it's actually possible. If you pay the minimum payment on debt that you have with the interest charged, you'll be paying for that for a very, 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 very long time. Maybe, I, I don't, I'm not going to give any scenarios, but if you are in debt, I hope you listen today. If you're not in debt, it's, there's still something in this sermon for you. Because here's, here's what was happening a couple of months ago. 52% of Americans were living paycheck to paycheck. That means basically this. You got paid. You paid for the essentials and other things that you paid for, and you had nothing left over. Today, meaning a couple of weeks ago, the, uh, the study was done again, and because of inflation in our country, now 64% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. I, I want you to know that if you really want financial freedom, not because times are tough now, but because we need to be better stewards of what God is entrusting to our care, there's no better time to start than now. Now, I know money's personal. I know that and I joked with Sandra and Curtis a little bit this morning. Sandra told me, or, well, Curtis told me, and then I ribbed Sandra just a little bit. She thought I was going to talk about purse, purses today. And I said, no, I'm not going to talk about purses today. I'm going to talk about shoes and women today. And she said, oh, you better not. Now, I, I'm not going to talk about shoes. I'm not going to talk about purses. Ricky gave me his bucket list before the service this morning. And I went, you got problems, brother. Um, Angie, I'm sorry. And so, you know, here's the thing when it comes to money. It's very personal. And I'm not here to tell you how to spend your money other than for you to listen to godly principles, scriptural principles, so that you can make the wisest choices. And I know that in every family, it's typical. We, you know, opposites attract. One of you may be a spender. The other may be a saver. 
One of you loves the budget. The other hates the budget. Some of you look at money. It's like, I've got to save all I can. I've got to have a safety net in case you know bad things happen. And others look at money. Well, look, I spend money because it makes me look good. Others of you, because of where you grew up or who your mom or your dad were and how money was spent, that all of that comes together to influence us of how we spend our money. Over the past couple of weeks, this is what I've talked about. We serve God, not money. Money is here to serve us as we serve God. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 that we're not to worry about the things we need. Jesus said that if we seek God in his kingdom, that he, God, would provide us with everything that we need. Now notice Jesus didn't say everything we want. We may not always get what we want, but we'll always have what we need if we serve God and put him first in our life. Last week, I talked about we need to learn to live within our means. We all have different incomes. We all have so much money coming in. And that is what you've got. And we've all got to learn to live within our means. And today, I'm going to follow that up with talking about the buck starts with you. You have to make the decisions about how you want to live your life. Now, in my hospice travels, I've met a lot of people over the past 12 years. And when I say a lot, I mean a lot. I've met people who, in my opinion, would be very rich. And I've met the poorest of people. I have visited patients, and, and, and one particular gentleman, he was living in one of those little uh, hotel apartment kind of deals. I have visited patients who live in their travel trailer, and they are happy and they are content. I have, I have met people who live in what I'd call a mansion. I have met people who, in other words, I've met a lot of different people. But the thing that has broke my heart more than anything are those who said, and this happens more often than not, we don't even have enough money to pay for a funeral. I've met people in their 80s still making a mortgage payment. When I'm 80, I better not have a mortgage payment, at least for me. I've met people in their 70s and 80s still making car payments. Not too long ago, I and mean, this has been several years ago, my, my dad and mom are financially independent. Now, my mom would say, we don't have any money. My dad, when he needs to buy a car, he goes to the dealership, he makes the deal, and then it's basically, all right, how do you want to finance it? My dad says, I don't finance cars. I pay cash. And they look at him and go, oh, he just writes the check. Boom, done. Wouldn't that be amazing if you could do that? When you want to buy a car, which is a major deal now, you just go to the dealership, make the deal. When they want to talk about financing, you go, no, 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 no. I'll just write you a check. Boom, done. And that's it. Look at the debt you pay. Look at the interest you're paying and figure out a way and you can get there too. Because trust me, my dad, back when he was farming and in South Georgia when the farming market pretty much collapsed, my dad was in debt up to his eyeballs. And he sold off all of his farm equipment. He sold off all of the property that he had except for just a small portion. And he paid off what he could. And he worked hard to get out of debt, and he swore, I'll never be in debt again. 
Now, I'm telling you, it's possible. We can all do this if we want to do this. We just have to say, I've got to tell my money where to go, rather than your money telling you where you've got to go. Now, Proverbs 21.20, this is an important scriptural principle. It simply reads this way. Precious treasure and oil are in the dwelling of a wise person, but a foolish man consumes them. Now, I'm not going to expound long on this. It's a pretty self-explanatory verse. Two contrasted persons, wise and foolish. A wise person says, I've got to prepare not just for today, but for the future. And the wise person says, I will store up or I will work towards building a future where I've got some protection. In other words, I'm going to spend my money wisely. Whereas a foolish person pays no attention to the income, pays no attention to the purchases, and just goes and spends and spends and then wonders, why don't I ever, why don't I ever have anything extra? And so we need to learn how to tell our money where to go. Now, this is just one verse. There are a lot of verses in Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, the New Testament, and the Old Testament that talk about money. By the way, did you know that money is one of the most talked about topics in all of Scripture? We may not want to think about it, but it is reality. So this morning, how can you tell your money where to go? I want you to know the first thing is this. God gets his portion first. And this is where a lot of us, we just, don't, we just don't do that. Even when Ron and I were in debt up to our eyeballs, well, it was probably above our eyeballs, because we owed a whole lot more than we brought in. I mean, a lot more. We still gave God his portion. Now, for me and Rhonda, and this goes back to our, our days when we first married, uh, it goes back to the Old Testament, the New Testament, we always gave God at least 10% of our income, and we said before taxes, not after taxes. The government taxes you on the full amount. So we based our tithe on the total income we made, and we gave a tithe. Now we're at the point where we're giving not just 10% of what we make, but extra and we try to evaluate it throughout the year and kind of figure out, all right, we need to give a little more. And it's not less, by the way. But we give, we give God what is due to his. If you go back and read the book of Exodus, for example, if you read in the book of Genesis, the tithe was first introduced uh, during the days of Melchizedek, where Abraham gave a tenth of his possessions to the priest Melchizedek. And then when you get into the book of Exodus, the very next book, Giving back to God is mentioned time and time and time and time and time again. Even Adam's sons gave back to God. Cain and Abel gave back to God. Cain's offering was not acceptable because he didn't give God the best. What God said in the Old Testament is, give me the first fruits of your labor, your income. Now, the first fruits, that's the best. You know, that's a hard thing. Back when Ron and I were younger and our money was really tight back in those days, we, we wrote those checks, and it was painful sometimes because we thought, well, we need to do these other things. 
We had those thoughts, but we, and we struggled with it, but we did what we had to do. In the last book of the Old Testament, there's a verse of Scripture in the book of Malachi that basically says this, bring your tithes and offerings into God's storehouse, and then God said, I will then open the floodgates of heaven and bring blessings upon you. So maybe, just maybe, you're missing out on God's blessing because you're not giving him what is rightfully his. You see, tithing is one of the most significant things of worship that we can all do. It's not just singing a song while singing is important. It's not just reading scripture. It's not just prayer. But when you write out the check or go to the bank and pull the cash out and put it in the plate, you are saying, God, you have blessed me and I am honored and I'm giving back to you and I am trusting you to take care of me. So it starts really with this priority of giving God his portion. Now, with that said, the second thing I want to share with you is this. If you're going to be wise, is this. It's your living expenses. Now, we all have to eat, right? We all like to eat. I like to eat. We all need a place to live. <laughs> I don't even want to look back there. We all need to eat. We need somewhere to live. We need, to, we need a way to get around. We all need clothing. We all have medical expenses. We, we, we all need certain things. There are certain things we need to do to live. So here's the hard part where most of us struggle. What do we need versus what we want? That's a struggle, isn't it? Now, we, lived in, a, we live in a culture, unlike our grandparents or great-grandparents, some of you remember the days, my mom tells me the stories, of when she was a girl, when electricity came down the road that she lived on. EMC, who was the power company back in South Georgia at the time, they were putting up power lines, and they put electricity in the house that she was in, her sister and brother and mom and dad, and they had a light. They had a light. And it had a switch, and they could flip it on, and it was hanging down a cord. It was not fancy. They had a light. We've grown from those days of one light to candles and fireplaces and wood stoves to enjoying certain modern conveniences like central air conditioning, central heat. We, we now have devices that can control our thermostats remotely. We live in, a, in an age where you don't even have to go to the grocery store. Well, now, Ron and I can't. They don't deliver where we live. But for some of you, you can order your groceries from your computer or smartphone, and they will deliver your groceries to your house for you for a price. So we need groceries but do we need certain things? Here's what I'm saying to you. If you are in debt and you want to get out of debt, if you want to save and plan for your future and your children's future, you have to ask this question. God, I need certain things to live. Am I living within my, my income, basically? What do, I, what do I want versus what do I need? What must I have? Maybe you could ask it this way. What must I have in order to survive? Well, here's some basics to help you. You need 
some form of shelter. You need food. Now, when it comes to food, you have to define what you need. I, um, I like food myself. Rhonda likes food. We all like food, don't we? Food's tasty. And this is where Dave Ramsey, he, he tells a lot of people who are, who are in debt up to their eyeballs, he says you can live off of something called beans and rice. Now, when I first mentioned this to Rhonda a while back, she's like, I don't like beans. Now, she'll eat baked beans. I can't imagine us, I could not imagine me and Rhonda eating baked beans and rice every day for about three years. Could you imagine that? You know, I think if we had eaten baked beans and rice every day for two or three years, we would have sat down at the dinner table after about a week and a half and said, if I see another baked bean, I'm going to start throwing them in the house. I mean, that would have been what I would have done. I would have said, I need a little variety. And we'd have looked at each other and said, let's mix in a hot dog. Here's what I want you to see. We have to ask ourselves, what can we afford? What can we really afford? What must we have? And then you can ask the second question, should I have this? We all like to go out and eat. Well, maybe not all of us. Some of us like to go out and eat. We like to go and get us some fast food every now and then. I know I've done that many times in my I almost said a few, many times in my own life. And I like a good Chick-fil-A. I like Chick-fil-A for a number of reasons. One of the things I like about Chick-fil-A is when you're working during the day and you want to get something fast and quick, they know how to get it out to you fast and quick. The others, well, I, that's a struggle. But, but for me, should I have Chick-fil-A five or six days a week? No, no, I should not have that five or six days a week. Why? Because, well, one, it's not healthy. If I ate fried chicken and waffle fries five days a week, I would probably weigh about 600 pounds. That's just the way my metabolism would work. So we have to ask, must I have it? Should I have it? Could I have it? Or I won't have it. In other words, you've got to make decisions, you and your family, your husband, wife, you have to talk and you have to ask yourself those questions. What does it mean for us to live and what do we need versus what do we want so that we can pay off this debt? Which brings me to something before I move on to the third thing. I want to say this a little bit. When it comes to living expenses, we need to save for some things that aren't once a month. Again, the scripture says, precious treasure and oil are in the presence or in the dwelling of a wise person, but a foolish person consumes them. If you consume everything you make in your living paycheck to paycheck, at some point, things begin to wear out in your house. Your car, your truck, your lawnmower. I mean, the list could go on and on and on, could it not? Angie mentioned this morning about a sofa, some furniture. Beds, mattresses, they don't last forever. I mean, Ron and I have had our mattress for quite a while. You can see the indentions of our body. We just take the topper off and put another one on, and it looks good for another year. 
And the toppers are only about 100 bucks. So what I'm telling you is this. Things in our houses wear out and break. And you have to save for those kinds of things. You've got to set money aside and say, at some point, we're going to need a new sofa or we're going to need a new bed or we're going to need another vacuum cleaner or the truck's going to tear up. The oil has to be changed. Christmas is coming around the corner. Y'all know Christmas comes every year, don't you? And then we, we don't save for Christmas or plan for Christmas or birthdays or other kinds of things. And then we run out and we get our credit cards and we buy the things and just say, I'll pay it back over time. And before you know it, you are spending more than you make and bring in. So we've got to plan for these things. Now, we've got some folks on vacation. A lot of us like to take vacations, don't we? When it comes to vacation, do we save for vacations or do we just pull out the card, call up the bank, get the money, pay it back, and the next thing we know, we have charged the last four years of vacations and we're paying for those four years of vacations and all of the interest, some 20 or maybe even 25% interest, and you wonder, why don't I have any money? Because we've got to learn to live within our means. Now, that leads me to the number three thing. I mentioned it last week. The number three thing is this, is your emergency fund, your savings account. We all need some savings. So when you're trying to get out of debt, guess what you need? If you want to have a dwelling filled with precious treasure and oil rather than the foolish person who consumes everything, you need to put aside some money for emergencies. I said last week a thousand, but probably more. Ron and I have, we have more than a thousand in our emergency fund now. We started with a thousand when we first started the, the Dave Ramsey debt retirement plan. And I want you to know something. Because of where we were, I looked at that $1,000, and when something did break and we needed to dip into that little fund, I'm like, oh, maybe we don't need to make that repair. But we had to get the car fixed. So we dipped in. It kind of freaked me out a little bit because I'm, I wanted it to stay there. And now it's more. And guess what? I'm still the evil guy. Oh, we'll just live without that for a while. Rhonda has heard me say this more than once. She will ask, how much money do we have? Not enough. How much do we have? Oh, it's about empty. And then she gives me the look, and I go, okay, here's the, here's the deal. We need to plan in an emergency fund. The fourth thing is the debt payoff. I want you, if you are in debt, I encourage you to get out of debt. And this is how Dave Ramsey explains it. He basically says this, you take the smallest amount of debt you have and you throw everything you can at it. And then when you get that one paid, have a celebration and then take the next smallest debt and take what you were paying and add to that one. And you keep doing that until all of your debts are gone. And the last one you tackle is your home. That's the last one you tackle. Now, guess what? None of you have to do this. God does not forbid you to borrow money. It's not forbidden in Scripture. But if you recall a couple of weeks ago, the Scripture that we read and shared was this, that if you owe money to the lender, 
You are indebted to him. You, he owns you. And so here's my question. Do you want to be enslaved or do you want freedom? So I'm encouraging you to get out of debt. Pay it off. Look at the money you would save and have towards your future. And the, the fifth thing is this, investing for the future. That's something that I am not qualified to tell you about. My 401k is tanking. I don't even want to look at it anymore. Rhonda's is tanked. We're all of us have tanked, but we invest. There are some people who know how to invest. I encourage you to talk to somebody and you go do that, but only when you're debt free. So how can you budget? I'm going to say to you this, look at your take home pay because the government's going to get their cut. Give God his portion, and then what's left over, learn to live off of it. Ron and I have now moved to a system that I'm going to mention in a minute, but what we used to do was the, the good old line item budget. That's the most popular one. But you know what we learned about the line item budget? It was tedious. It was difficult. I mean, we would go to the grocery store, whatever, we'd pay the bill, you'd write it down, it was a lot of work. And then we went to Ramsey's system, the budget system. I mean, the, the envelope system. You ever heard of the envelope system? It's where you, for things like groceries, gas, eating out, clothing, Christmas, etc. Things you, you did not have to pay through the bank. You took money out of the bank. You divided it and put it in little envelopes. And then you would buy things. And when the envelope was empty, you were done. Unless you borrowed from another envelope. We had a clothing envelope. We had a grocery envelope. We had all of our little envelopes. And I remember we would go to the grocery store with our, our grocery envelope. And by the way, eating out was not grocery. That was two separate items. We went to the grocery store with our envelope. In our early days of marriage, we, Rhonda kept the running total. And we went, uh-oh, we don't have enough. We'd have to go back and put stuff back so that we could pay for it. We hated those days. But the envelope system's another one. What we're doing now is something called a proportional budget. You basically say our needs, the things we have to have to live, is 50% of our money. And then the other part are our wants, another percentage, and the last part is saving. I don't care how you do it. I just encourage you to look at your money and ask yourself this question. God, am I spending my money like a wise person? Just as Scripture says, do I have precious treasure and oil in my house, or am I living paycheck to paycheck? Am I living foolishly with my money? Am I wasting it? and squandering it? Only you can answer the question. This is almost the last sermon on money. There may be only five of us left next week. But for you five, I'll give you what I got. Technically, it's not what I've got, it's what's in Scripture. Seriously, I really hope and I pray, I really pray that if you're one of those living paycheck to paycheck, that you and husbands and wives, you'll talk to each other and you'll basically ask this question, what do we need to do 
so that we are building treasure, not on earth, but treasure in God's kingdom, where money is serving God and serving others so that we are not indebted to the dollar, worried about the dollar, but we are truly free of the bondage that that's bringing. God, free us. That would be my prayer for you. It has little to do with our budget here, but it's about you being free from the bondage of debt. Let's pray together.